happy Wednesday. Welcome to December the 29th. Thanks for joining me for enough, <clears throat> excuse me, enough for today. So technically, we are celebrating today, what is it, the fifth day of Christmas? Yes, today is the fifth day of Christmas. So Merry fifth day of Christmas. We're in Psalm 33, and this week we're trying to get ready for a new year. And so we're doing something a little differently. I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little congested. We're starting Psalm 33, but we're also... Uh, plowing through some values that should drive our new year. I like to read these values at the beginning of every year. And this particular week between Christmas and New Year is, it's not so much a planning week to me as it is a thinking week. It's an assessing week. I like to look back and assess where God has brought me personally in my life, my family, and my ministry. I like to assess the work that God is doing. I like to listen to him. Um, and I'm asking him for guidance and wisdom as I look towards the new year. We will be this week and next week finalizing a lot of plans as a ministry for the new year. We have new people coming onto our team. We have uh, many goals that we'd like to pursue by God's grace and for his glory. We pursue all of these with, a, with, with an open hand. We say, God, if this would glorify you, if this is in line with your purposes, then, then let this be. Uh, but nonetheless, this is a week of sort of uh, assessing and reassessing and calibrating. Uh, maybe that's a good word, like orienting myself with the trajectory of God. I'm not asking myself, what do I want to do this year? I'm asking myself, what is God doing? Where is he leading? And how do I follow him? Um, because his plans trump all of my plans radically. Well, today I want to read just the first few verses of Psalm 33. We read the whole thing yesterday. This psalm has three parts to it. The first is a, an exhortation. It's an encouragement to praise. It's sort of a call to praise God. The second section are reasons, lists of reasons of why we should praise God and what should we praise him for. And then the psalm ends with the expression. The Part three is the expression of uh, that purpose to praise him, sort of a resolve. It's a great psalm for a new year. It lifts our hearts and minds to a higher set of values that we live for the glory of God. We live at his uh, pleasure, for his pleasure, um, and to please him and to honor him. And our greatest joy and greatest flourishing is realized when we live in celebration of him, when we live in enjoyment of him. Did you ever think of the fact that God's glory and your pleasure are really not conflicting values, that your greatest pleasure is discovered in God's greatest glory. And so uh, we, you know, as, as uh, flesh-born creatures, you know, trapped in this flesh struggle, we tend to gravitate towards <clears throat> our earthly uh, fulfillment of temporary pleasures and satisfaction when God's calling us to a much higher fulfillment of those things. So God's glory and, and your pleasure, your flourishing, really are not a dichotomy. They go together, and, and they really, your greatest fulfillment is found in his greatest glory, and his greatest glory <laughs> is realized in your greatest fulfillment. I mean, they, they just, they mesh. And so the, the psalmist tells us to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. God wants you to celebrate. He wants your life, the quality of your life, to be a quality of joy 
and celebration. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, those who have been declared righteous by God. Your greatest problems have been solved by Jesus. And he downsizes all of your temporary problems in the light of the fact that your greatest problem has been solved uh, and your greatest fears have been resolved. When you've been declared righteous with your God, you have a right relationship and a welcome into the heart of heaven, then every other problem is radically, radically reduced because your greatest problems and your greatest fears have been ultimately resolved. So rejoice in the Lord, all you righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. It just makes sense. It's beautiful uh, that God's redeemed people praise him. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery, with an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song and play skillfully with a loud noise. But that's a great couple of verses that contextualize the kind of praise, the kind of worship that God wants from us. Use instruments, use volume, raise raise the noise, raise the volume level, sing out and sing uh, skillfully, play skillfully with a loud noise. I jokingly say sometimes to people, it doesn't matter if you can carry a tune. God doesn't say sing on key. He says, make a noise, <clears throat> make a joyful noise, play and sing. Now he does say play skillfully. So when it comes to the instruments, he wants some skill. But, but sing unto him, lift up your soul and your heart to him. So it's a call to worship, but more than that, it's a call to a lifestyle of worship and a lifestyle of celebration. So as we wrap up today, <clears throat> let me give you two values. The first two that I gave you on Monday and Tuesday, first one was think God's glory over self-gratification. The second one was think becoming overdoing. The third value is this. Think stewardship over ownership. I love this value, and it goes with the next one. But let me read this to you. My life is not my own. You don't own you. This year ahead is not yours to live. It is yours to steward. Your life is a gift from God. It is on loan. And one day you and I will answer to him for what we did with his life. Every day, every breath, Every moment, every relationship is God's gift to you. You will either approach this year asking, what do I want? Or you will approach this year asking, God, what do you want me to do with your time, your life, your resources? I'm a steward. So think stewardship over ownership. I'm a steward and I don't really own anything. God owns it all. But I want to add the next one, the next value, the fourth one is think investing over spending because that's what a steward does. A steward doesn't consume and spend, merely spend and consume. A steward thinks long-term value and long-term multiplication. And so a steward is not just spending, he's investing. He's strategic. And my friend, we are to be strategic, not just with our money, that though that would be included, we're to be strategic with every part of our lives, our time, our energy, our gifts, our experiences, our all of our resources, uh, all of our material world, we're to be absolute strategic stewards of. So let me read this to you. If you spend your life, you'll have less of it a year from now. <clears throat> if you invest your life, it will multiply. Spending looks at the now, investing looks at the big picture. Spending focuses on me. Investing focuses on others. 
Spending is a downward cycle of depletion. Investing is an upward cycle of multiplication. Spending is exhausting and wearying. Investing is invigorating and energizing. Spending leaves me empty, but investing leaves me full. Spending is reactionary and impulsive. Investing is causative and intentional. Investing means I wake up every day asking God to lead and guide and use me for his purposes. Investing means I use my moments to serve, to edify, to build, to encourage. Investing means I can face death with no regrets. So my friend, this year, you will either uh, spend your life or you will invest your life. So two values today, think stewardship over ownership. This is not really any of this, it's not mine. I'm simply a short-term steward, which means I need to think investing, multiplication. How do I have more life a year from now than I have right now? These are great values, my friend. We'll pick it up tomorrow. Happy Wednesday. See you tomorrow.